And Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 says that one day God is going to sum everything up in Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us on Truth That Changes Lives. Pastor J.P. Jones is the senior pastor of Crossline Community Church in Laguna Hills, California, and a professor in biblical studies at Biola University. Today on Truth That Changes Lives, Pastor J.P. will be giving us a message from a series entitled Spiritual Gifts. Let's listen in as J.P. gives us part one of Stewarding Your Gifts. If you have your uh, Bibles, would you open to 1 Peter chapter 4? We're going to continue in this study on spiritual gifts. What we've been trying to do is develop a biblical understanding of the church and of this new community that Christ has called us to and the spiritual gifts that God has given to us and how we are to make a contribution and to be a part of serving one another as we use the gifts that God has given to us. So we've been looking at every passage where God talks about these grace gifts, these gifts of the Spirit, this principle of the body of Christ and how we play a part in it. And we come this morning to 1 Peter chapter 4. I want to read 1 Peter 4, verses 7 to 16. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed, for the spirit of glory and God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. See, this is a passage where Peter is talking about using our spiritual gifts and serving one another, using our spiritual gifts as stewards of God's grace, using our spiritual gifts so that God may be glorified. But he's revealed this truth within a context. And so there's a context that we need to understand in which we are to understand and deploy and use the spiritual gifts that God has given us. So my first observation is the context for using our spiritual gifts. And what Peter says is that the end of all things is at hand and that we live in a culture that is antagonistic and hostile to the faith. And we can even expect persecution for following Jesus Christ. So here's the context of gift expression. The end of all things is at hand. We currently live in a world system that's hostile to the Christian faith. You know, Peter is um, echoing what the Apostle Paul wrote on many occasions. In fact, the Bible says that we currently live in the last days. Hebrews chapter 1 says that the last days began when Jesus Christ came to this earth. So for the last 2,000 years, we've been in the last days. Someone might say, well, that's a long time for the last days to be the last days. But remember, the Bible says that with God, a 1,000 years is his one day. You've got to take the big view. Most of us have a very narrow view of history and culture, and even a narrower view as, as it relates to understanding God's kingdom purposes. In the bigger picture of God's kingdom, God is drawing all things to their conclusion. 
And Ephesians chapter 1 verse uh, 11 says that one day God is going to sum everything up in Jesus Christ. And right now we are to live with an awareness that the end is at hand. There's something uh, spiritually therapeutic about that. Did you know that? Because we can get so caught up into this life and this life is just temporary. In fact, uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where he says this, we don't lose heart Though our outer man is being destroyed, but our inner man is being renewed day by day, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things that are seen, because the things that are seen are just temporary, but we look at the things that are not seen, because the things that are not seen are eternal. This past week, I, I pastored a memorial service for Elda Meekham. Elda and her husband Scott are members of this church, and Elda's dear saint with the Lord Battle cancer is with Jesus right now, and her life was a testimony of trusting God and looking forward to the life to come. And at uh, her memorial service, I shared a scripture, which I share often at, at those kind of services from the Old Testament. Uh, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting, because that's the end of every man, and the living take it to heart. In effect, what Solomon was saying is it's better to go to a funeral service than to a party. Because when you go to a party, you just get caught up in the day-to-day stuff and what's happening in this life. But when you go to a memorial service, you're faced with your own mortality and you're forced to consider the life to come. And that can be very spiritually healthy. In fact, that can be the very thing that can prompt a person to surrender their life to God. It can be the very thing that prompts a person to make things right in their life, to be living in the light of eternity. And Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, the end of all things is near. In other words, don't just get caught up in the same old same old. Don't just get caught up in all the values and the pressure of this culture. Realize there is a life to come, and that should make an impact on how you live your life right now. And then he follows it up by saying, but be aware, if you name the name of Christ and you follow Christ as a true Christ follower, you may suffer persecution. But if you do, glory in that. Rejoice in that because you've been marked out by God as someone who fully represents him. So in this context, he says, serve one another with the spiritual gifts that you've been given. In fact, he gives several commands that relate to one another. We're to pray for one another, we're to love one another, we're to show hospitality to one another, and we're to serve one another with our spiritual gifts. In other words, in the light of the fact that the end is coming and soon, and in light of the fact that this culture is hostile towards us, we really need each other. And we ought to prioritize making an investment in one another's life. I said uh, in, the, uh, in the welcome, we're not lone rangers in the Christian life. Now, some of you remember who the Lone Ranger was. Some of you are looking at me like, who's the Lone Ranger? There was an old TV show, The Lone Ranger, and he had his buddy Tonto, and he, he had a mask, and he would show up whenever there was any kind of, you know, bad situation, and the bad guys were winning, and all of a sudden you'd hear, and his horse was named Silver, and he'd go, hi-ho, Silver! And Tonto would be at his side. And they'd take on the bad guys. And then the Lone Ranger would ride off. And everybody would stand there and go, who was that? Mask man. They didn't know who the Lone Ranger was. And that's exactly the way a lot of Christians are. Nobody knows who they are. They come to church, they leave. I, I, I don't even know their name. I, I, 
Yeah. Well, I haven't seen him in a while. What, you know, what? We're not supposed to be lone rangers. We're connected to each other. We're connected to the body of Christ. We're connected to the new community. We're connected to the family. We're to make investments in one another's life. And that's why the Bible has all these commands that are one another, one another, one another, one another, one another, one another, one another. Peter says the end is near. Out there, you're just going to get persecution. All the more we need to pray for one another, love one another, be hospitable to one another, and serve one another through our spiritual gifts. That's the context that Peter gives us here in 1 Peter 4. The context for using our spiritual gifts is the end is near. Then he commands us, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various form. There is a command to be stewards of our spiritual gifts. There's a command to be stewards of our spiritual gifts. You see, first of all, Peter makes an assumption here that is consistent with every other passage in the New Testament. And that is, we have all received gifts from God. We've all received gifts from God. First of all, God is the giver of spiritual gifts. I've made this analogy. It's not like there's a big smorgasbord of gifts somewhere, and you go and pick and choose whichever ones you want. No, God sovereignly gives gifts. It says in... uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, but to each one has been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. God has given you a spiritual gift if you're a new person in Jesus Christ. In fact, it's part of the package of that new identity. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, uh, 17, it says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Part of being a new creation is that you, in your new identity in Jesus Christ, have been given spiritual gifts. You may be ignorant of those gifts. You maybe have never exercised those gifts. You maybe have used those gifts and didn't even know you were doing it. But part of who you are as a Christ follower is that you are gifted. In fact, the word for gift here is the word charismata. Charis is the word for grace. Charismata is grace gifted. Part of the unbelievable grace that God has given to us in Jesus Christ is this whole idea of spiritual gifts. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. It's grace that brought us into a salvation relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound, so that as sin reigned in death, Even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We've been graced. We've been covered with grace. God's lavish grace upon us. And part of that grace of God is the spiritual gifts that have been given to this body and the spiritual gifts that have been given to you as an individual follower of Jesus Christ. Now, your gifts may be obvious. In other words... You may look at your life and the transformation that's take place in your life as a Christ follower, and you may be able to recognize, and other people may be able to recognize, how you've been gifted. When I first became a Christian, I was 16 years old, and my brother bought me a Bible and said, you need to read this every day. And so I did. Within the first year, I read through the New Testament. And then that summer, before I went off to college, I read the Old Testament. And then I began to read the Old Testament and the New Testament every day. And with the desire and the discipline of studying Scripture, I found myself kind of unintentionally getting in conversations with people all the time. 
guys I played football with, students that were in my classes, people that I lived next door to, talking about spiritual things, talking about the Lord, explaining passages of Scripture. So as a fairly young Christian, it became obvious to me and to others, I had spiritual gifts in this whole idea of communicating God's Word. It was obvious. But for other people, it's not as obvious. It may be obvious how God has designed you to make a contribution to the body of Christ. It may not be obvious, and if it's not obvious, then you need to discover. You need to be in a process of discovery. Sometimes we discover things that we can do that we never thought we could do. This is a true story. I'm at the beach with my family, all my kids. We're with Dino and his kids. We're enjoying the beach. We're down in San Clemente. My son, Taylor, is about to go off to college. He said, do you know what? I can catch a seagull. He said, what? He goes, I know how to catch a seagull. I go, you cannot catch a seagull. He goes, I can. Watch. He said, I'm going to lay down. Now put a towel over me. So I got this beach towel, and, and I covered him up with a beach towel completely, head to toe. And he said, now take it. We had this popcorn munchies. He goes, put some of those popcorn munchies on my chest. <laughs> he is laying out in the sand. I had a towel cover him up. I put some of the popcorn munchies on his chest. And then I put them a little on the, on the sand right around him. I had no more done that and then gone back to my beach chair and sat down when this seagull starts kind of hovering around him. And all of a sudden, I mean, it's right in front of us. The seagull lands on the sand and then takes the popcorn right off the sand and, you know, is eating and kind of looking around. And then it's like in his little seagull brain, oh, look at all that popcorn right there on top of that towel. And then he goes, boop, and the seagull hops up on my son's chest and then he bends down to get some of the popcorn. My son's laying there like that. As soon as the seagull did, he went, boom, and he grabbed it. He caught a seagull. I have never laughed so hard in my life. Our, our sides were aching. People all around were going, oh, my gosh. And my son's holding this seagull. And he let it fly off. Now, do you think he just, you know, woke up one day and go, I can catch seagulls. I said, how in the world did you know you could do that? He goes, I tried. I go, what? He goes, I was, I was at the beach one day. I thought, I bet I could catch a seagull. The first time I did it, you know, I, didn't, I couldn't catch it. No, no seagull landed. The second time I did it, a seagull landed, but it got away. And then the third time, I, I mastered the art, and I caught it. Now, why he wants to catch seagulls, I, I don't know. Probably has to do something with his mother. But anyway, uh, <laughs> she's not here, you see. I could say that. At the first service, I said it had to do with me, but, you know. He figured out how to do it because he tried it. You know, you may have spiritual gifts you don't even know you have until you try something. There are all kinds of serving opportunities inside the church, outside the church, with missions organizations, in the community, at a men's Bible study, women's ministry, recovery ministry, prayer ministry, all kinds of serving opportunities that may have your name all over them. But all you have to do is try, and you discover, you see, how it is that God has gifted you. Peter says here in 1 Peter chapter 4, we've all received, we've all received a spiritual gift, and we're to use it in serving one another. It may be obvious, you may have to discover yours. We are to use our gifts to serve others. Spiritual gifts have not been given to uh, try to impress people, to throw into a resume. Spiritual gifts are not given to lie dormant. Spiritual gifts are given to serve, to make a contribution, 
to build up others, to be a part of God's family, to make a difference in this world. Our gifts are given to us to serve others. It says here in 1 Peter 4 that uh, to each one is, he has received a special gift. Use it in serving one another. The serving, this word here is uh, diakonia. It's a pretty generic word for service in the New Testament. It's the word in Acts chapter 6 that talks about how they waited on tables. It's, it, Paul uses it in Romans 16 to talk about how he shared his faith in the gospel. Peter uses it in 1 Peter 2 to talk about how we offer sacrifices of praise to God in worship. It's a generic term that means to serve. It's used in Ephesians chapter 4 in a passage that we looked at last week where it says, and he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints to do the works of service or to do the work of ministry. God has gifted each one of us to do the work of ministry, to serve others. This passage says that we serve others as a stewardship of God's grace. It says, each one should use whatever gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. We're to faithfully administer God's grace. This word faithfully administer is the Greek word oikonomia. We get the word economy. It's translated in some passages as steward or stewardship. It's translated in other passages as managing or management. The concept is simple. The biblical concept of stewardship we understand uh, often with, with respect to money. But it has to do with everything that God has given to us. God gives us his resources and we take care of it for him. If we take care of it in a way that brings him glory and honor, we've been good stewards. If we take care of it in a way that it diminishes from his glory or honor, we've been bad stewards. It's as simple as that. It's just like us when we're in a position, maybe we have some discretionary income and we want to invest it and we want to get some expertise outside of ourselves. So we go to some kind of financial planner and they tell us various tools and instruments that can be used for investing our money and we look at the rate of return we possibly could get out of it, and we look at the expertise that the person provides, and so we give them our money. They take our money. It's not theirs, but they are to manage it. They are to steward it. They watch over the investment of it, and if they do a good job, there's a return on it, and they're happy and we're happy. You see? Stewardship, we understand that. Peter is taking that concept and saying, grace has been given to us in the form of spiritual gifts and we're to steward it and the way we steward it is to give it away to other people when we serve other people when we serve in the area of our spiritual gifts when we make a contribution we're good stewards what a great message for all of us today pastor jp provides us with great insight that is why we'd like to make it available to you on cd just get in touch and mention today's date We'll send it your way for just $5. Or if you'd like to support this ministry, you can write us at Truth That Changes Lives, 23331 Molten Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or give us a call at 949-916-0250. That's 949-916-0250. For your gift of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of JP's new book, Facing Goliath. Please join us every Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. at Crossline Church in Laguna Hills. The address is 23331 Moulton Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653.
or check us out on the web at crosslinechurch.com. We're going to get to the address and phone number again in a moment. But before we do that, Pastor JP, do you have any insight from today's message? Thanks, Greg. We're in a series talking about spiritual gifts and the fact that God has given every believer gifts to be used for serving one another and building up the body of Christ. These gifts, when they're used according to God's design, bring him great glory. They're part of the new life that we have in Christ, and every one of us as believers has certain spiritual gifts. In 1 Peter chapter 4, the Apostle Peter is talking about using our spiritual gifts as a demonstration of God's grace in our lives and using our gifts as a stewardship of that grace that's been given to us. Peter sets the context up in 1 Peter 4, 7 when he says, the end of all things is near. Peter's making a case for the fact that this world is not going to continue like it is forever. There's coming a time when God has established an end to the present order. Jesus Christ is coming back again. There is a final day of judgment, and we are to live our lives not as uh, permanent citizens of planet Earth, but as citizens of heaven, using the gifts, the time, the talent, the treasure that God has given to us as a stewardship to serve his purposes and to advance his kingdom. We're to live with an awareness that the end is near. And so we're to make the most of every opportunity to bring glory to God and to show his love to others. The key way of doing that, according to Peter, is to use our spiritual gifts. He says this in 1 Peter 4.10, Each one of us should use whatever gift he's received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. God's grace has been given to every believer. God's grace has been given in a variety of ways. That variety is seen in the various spiritual gifts that has been given to us. We've discovered those gifts in our past studies in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. The Bible records about 20 spiritual gifts that have been given to the body of Christ to be used for Christ's purposes. That's the various forms of God's grace. And God's grace has been given to you as a believer in Christ. You have grace in the form of spiritual gifts, and that grace is to be expressed, that grace is to be invested for God's glory. It's a stewardship given to you. A stewardship is when somebody who owns something gives it to somebody else to use, and then there's an accounting or responsibility of that use. God's given us grace to use, and there's coming a day of an accounting of how we've used his grace. And in this passage, that grace is specifically described as the gifts that have been given to us. You see, when we take the gifts that God has given to us and we use them to serve others, it's a good stewardship. It's a good administration of God's resources. It brings him glory, it blesses others, and it gives us joy. It's a win-win-win. In other words, you cannot go wrong when you use the grace that God's given to you by expressing your spiritual gifts. And you were to do that in the light of Christ's soon second coming. Wow, Living life with an understanding that there's an accounting and we can stand on that day and receive well done, my good and faithful servant. How do we do it? By using our spiritual gifts to serve one another, to build up the body of Christ and to bring glory to God. It gives God glory, it blesses others, and it gives us great joy. And that's the direction we want to be following because we're following Jesus Christ who used God's grace to bless us. Let's uh, commit ourselves to that end. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace that was given to us in Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us spiritual gifts. You've given us grace to give away to others. Give us eyes to see how we can serve one another. Give us eyes to see how we can use the gifts that you've given to us. Help us be good stewards to bring you glory and to bless others. And we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
we want to help you in your relationship with Christ, please get in touch with us at Truth That Changes Lives, 23331, Molten Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or call us at 949-916-0250. On the internet, you will find us at crosslinechurch.com. We hope to see you at one of our services every Sunday at our new campus in Laguna Hills. For more information and directions, please go to crosslinechurch.com. Please join us next time on Truth That Changes Lives. The cross before you.